everybody to another edition of Forever Bristol City podcast and for the second time in a week we're celebrating a win because in the midday kickoff at Ashton Gate it finished City 2, Cardiff City 0. We've got a full, uh, I'll call it studio of uh, contributors this evening. As usual, uh, Ian and uh, back after a long absence, uh, Les and uh, Rob Pickles as well. Guys, good to have you in. I expect we're all in a happy mood today, yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. All right. As uh, as we do on these situations, I come to each of you just with a brief sort of summary of the game. What your thoughts were? Sort of. We're recording this Sunday tea time, so everybody's had a few hours to reflect on it. But uh, I'll come to you first, uh, Les. Your thoughts on that ninety minutes at Ashton Gate? Picked up where we left off. I thought. Over to you. Yeah, I thought we were. Um, I thought we were very good. Uh, I think on t- Tuesday against Luton. As good as we were, I thought Luton were really poor, whereas I think Cardiff were a much stronger side, albeit missing a top-level striker. So to do it two games in a row and against a side who I thought at times, and it was only in spells, maybe towards the end of the first half, just before we scored and at the start of the second half, they looked dangerous and um, done a clean sheet. And then also some of the fringe players starting to show why we paid the dollar in terms of Missan going well. So two good wins. Uh, but I think today was especially impressive considering I think we were playing a decent side. Decent side. Well, indeed, Cardiff, if they'd have won, they'd have gone joint second with Sheffield United on 10. But uh, league placings just now, or just yet for a couple of games, don't really count for too much. Uh, Ian, your, uh, your thoughts on the, that 90 minutes action? Well, there was nothing not to like. Uh, we won. Again. <laughs> we won, scored two goals, and a clean sheet. And if if you ask me what I'd have taken it, uh, twelve o'clock, I'd I'd have settled for that. And I think everybody would. Um, I agree with Les. I don't think Cardiff were a bad side. They just lacked a cutting edge. Uh, and we've got a cutting edge. And the things that I'm most happy about, Dave, to be honest, is we can play better than that. We can certainly finish better than that. And with a bit of luck, we'll have Semenyu in Calas back by about mid-September. So, um, as Ian Jury once said, reasons to be cheerful. Part one, two, three. Yeah, as the song goes. Uh, Rob, uh, welcome back. You haven't been on for a while with us, but uh, good to have you on uh, today. And anybody's welcome to come on. Just direct message me on Twitter or email if you've got the address. But Rob, your thoughts as you uh, walked briskly and joyfully away from uh, Ashton Gate. Very, very happy, um, like everyone else. I thought it was very positive. There's a lot of uh, a lot of strengths and weaknesses. Um, still, still not sure about Jada Silva and the way he was today. Mm-hmm. Um, still think Campring should start. Um, that's probably my only negative. Um, okay, well, that's, that's... The game itself was. It, I thought we played well. Um, we we can't stop scoring goals, it's, and and now we're finishing them. We're finishing the games now, keeping two clean sheets in a row. Can't, yes. can't get much better than that. Can't get much better than that at all. Okay, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with everything uh, you guys said there. I mean, it was uh, you know difficult to find fault, and you know we're not people think us at FBC would always try and find a fault. Well, we're not really. You know, when when it's good, 
we're first to say it is good. And let's look at the starting uh, lineup. We knew we were going to be without sights because he got sent off uh, in the middle uh, of the week in the 2 0 win. So I'll come to you first, Ian, because we spoke about that um, pre game. Um, Scott kept his place, even though Williams came in. But Scott went to right wing back. And you've got two specialist right wing backs on the bench, Wilson and uh, Tanner. It's predictable to a point because Scott had played there so well-ish towards the end of last season. But uh, that was the only surprise, wasn't it, uh, Ian, in the lineup? What did you think of that? Well, I actually tweeted yesterday that I thought that's what Nigel Pearson would do. I, I don't like it, basically, because I don't think that's Alex Scott's best position. I think he's more effective where he prefers to play in central midfield. And it is odd. Um, although, to be honest, when Wilson came on, um, he had a fantastic opportunity to square the ball to Wells to score, and he absolutely stuffed it. And he mm. didn't look 100% right to me. Now, I don't know whether that's because he hasn't played enough games, he's not match fit. It's difficult coming into a game, you know, in a high paced game with a few minutes to go and, and getting up to speed. So I'm, I'm making all those excuses for him. Mm. Um, but I, I think that um, he'll, he'll ob- well, I'm saying he'll obviously get a game against Wickham. I hope a lot of the players uh, that you could describe as fringe players do. But I, mm. I, you know, I for one, and I've said it plenty of times, I, I don't like Alex Scott at right wing back. But if, if we win every time he plays there, he can play there for the rest of his career. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a good point there. Um, Les. Uh, Everybody said, I hold my hands up, I said it, that Chris Martin is the undroppable. He didn't play in midweek. It would have been a travesty if the Conway-Wells partnership had broken up. And I guess Nigel Trucher's word, you've played well in the shirt, somebody's got to take it away from you. It was obvious that those two should uh, continue. Obvious to most fans, but uh, some still thought Nigel would stick with Chris Martin. What did you think of that team selection? No, I mean, the lineup was what I expected. And I thought Alex Scott were coming up wing back, even though the obvious thing was to put Wilson there because Pearson's got a track record of doing it. And Wells and Conway on the Tuesday, they press the defence. They put them under pressure. And then the defence ends up giving the ball away. And it happened against Luton, it happened against Cardiff. And when you do that, you put teams under pressure and then you press as a team. It takes the pressure off our own back line. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. Martin can't do that. And two games in a row, it's worked, albeit against two very different teams. But I didn't think there was any chance he was going to change it, not after what happened on Tuesday. No, no. OK. Um, Rob, uh, in midfield, it was uh, it was very effective Tuesday night, uh, Han and Scott. But Williams uh, came back in. I thought he had an OK game, but Hanoa Masengo seems to be playing with the verve that he showed three years ago when he first got into the side. And he won't sign that contract, but do you think he's playing... He's giving his all for the club, isn't he, Hanoa? Yeah, he always does. I think they both put a shift in today, um, especially when you've got Rinomota, Sawyer's running about around the middle, and you've got Williams cutting it out every single time, Hanoa swarming around him. And it was, yeah, it was, it was impressive. And it's good to see him uh, coming back to a bit of form because uh, we know what he, what he can do. We just want to see him do it all the time. And he's, he's definitely done that the last two games. 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Rinomoto because I'd forgotten all about the fact that we were interested uh, in him. But uh, they had strengthened their midfield because they've got Rinomoto and that lad Sawyers because he's a player that, not based on current uh, form for us, but he's a player that in years gone by we've been sort of sniffing around him. But uh, probably his better days are behind him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I watched uh, Rinomoto against, I think it was... Who do they play? Uh, Birmingham. He was very yes. good against Birmingham, but I don't think he showed anything uh, against us. So nothing that we think we've missed out on there or anything like that. No. no. So I'd, I'd agree with uh, I agree with that. And uh, back in the uh, back in the eighteen, to show that there was nothing sinister about his exclusion the other night. But uh, Cam Pring, a lot of people, and I think you said yourself at the uh, top of the uh, top of the broadcast, uh, Rob, that Jada yeah. Silver. Cam Pring, you think Cam should be the one that's in there for reasons of what, particularly, in your perspective? I, I don't think Nigel trusts him because of, I think, that when he has been in the team. Uh, I might be completely wrong with this, but I feel like he has been a bit of a liability when we've conceded late on. Um, only, well, I can only think of one, really, but it just mm. seems that Nigel doesn't trust him. He trusts Jada Silva. Yeah. Uh, it's just a physicality thing for me. Yeah, more, more than anything, really. That's yeah. what I'd agree with that. <laughs> okay, um, Ian, the the game started quite quietly. There was a stoppage. In fact, there were a couple of it was very scrappy for about the first uh, ten or twelve uh, minutes. I think there was that head injury that uh, contributed to most of the six minutes of uh, time added on. And uh, I guess the first um, move worthy uh, of of note was Hanoa having uh, a headed goal. Disallowed. Uh, any complaints from you about that one being disallowed, uh, Ian? It looked to me. I thought. First of all, I thought it was a fantastic cross from Andy Byman. Yeah. Um, it looked to me like the keeper had both hands on the ball. You know, I, I, I'd love to see a still of it, but I haven't got it. But from watching the replays, it looked as though um, he, he, the keeper, had both hands on the ball. I, I don't think the challenge was unfair, and he went for it face on like he tried to work his shoulder into the keeper or anything mm. like that so uh you know um another day another time it might get given but it, it did look as though the keeper had both hands on the ball so you can't give it yeah what about you les what did you what were your thoughts i've seen them i've seen one replay uh and for my part and obviously i'm biased as we all are but for my part i couldn't see masses Wrong with it. I don't, you know, what, what Dave, it's a this? foul. It's a okay. foul, Dave. <laughs> there ain't no right. debate. For you. <laughs> the keeper's got both hands on the ball and the right, knocked out of his yeah. hands. Uh, it's a foul. End of. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with you there. And same for you, uh, Rob. Uh, fair decision disallowing it. 100%. I've seen it again as well. And it's, uh, he's got two hands on the ball as every day of the week. Yeah. So there we were. Now, Cardiff, I thought, did get back in to the game quite a lot. And, uh, <laughs> That guy Sawyers drew a save from uh, Bentley, but again, coming to each of you, Ian first. Uh, Waters got the better of uh, Cal Naismith and looked clean through uh, and put his shot in. It hit Bentley on the shoulder and went over. That should have been 1-0 to Cardiff, really, shouldn't it, Ian? Well, I think, well, as I said earlier, Cardiff are without a cutting edge. And that was pretty clear from watching them play. Um, when I watched them play against Birmingham, they had a... Um, they looked a good side. O'Dowda looked a decent player. He looked as though he was going to create plenty, but they just didn't have that. Um, Andy Boyman, Naki Wells, 
dare I say, Tommy Conway type player to stick the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. And um, I'm surprised that they didn't give the lad uh, who came on in the last seven or eight minutes, who they signed from Tottenham for, excuse me, for half a million. Um, I, I, I'm surprised they didn't give him a start up front. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Okay. Credit, credit, credit to Bentley. It was a, it was a decent save. I mean, if if Bentley doesn't get that touch on it, it's uh, it's, a goal. it's flying, flying in the net, and it could have been a different game. But I mean, we had. If you look at the chances that that we missed, you know, good chances, then I, I think we we very much deserve to win the game, even though we had less possession, which for us sometimes is is a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, Les. The, those those two chances for the uh, for the visitors. Well, one in particular. Um, he should have done better. The striker Waters when he went through, shouldn't he? His manager has been uh, complaining about strikers not doing their jobs. I'm just reading in the press match comments there. Yeah, well, I mean, like Ian said, like I said at the start, they miss a top quality striker. Waters scored one goal all last season. You know what I mean? He's not a championship striker. Their managers said it. Their fans have said it. I mean, the manager's come out and absolutely battered them. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to help. Uh, but the thing is, when you've got players like Ojo and you've got players like Sawyers, you've got people who can move the ball quickly and they're good passes of the football. Mm. And I think the thing with Cardiff is that surprised me is that in the past they've been quite rigid, but they actually play quite fluid. They said at the start, Odell is a winger, which we know, obviously. But if you actually saw where he played, he was picking up, you know, getting into different positions. He was getting to the number 10. He was running in behind. He was uh, staying out wide as well. So they played quite fluid up top and they got players who can pass the ball, manipulate the ball. So I thought they looked threatening, especially if you look at the second half of the first half just before we scored. I mean, mm. they were putting us under quite a lot of pressure. They were getting, even the centre-back Kipre was getting him behind as well and he hit it into the side netting. So, I mean, I thought, I thought Cardiff, you know, albeit without the striker, looked quite threatening. And I was fearing the worst, to be honest with you, but obviously Conway scored at just the right time. Yeah, well, let's go on to uh, the goal. And I'll come uh, first uh, to you, Rob. Uh, again, another well-worked goal. It was Atkinson, the instigator, sending Wells, Wells scurrying away down the left. And Conway, perfect header. Uh, I know he missed a couple at Wigan, but he made no mistake with that one. And my goodness, was he pleased when uh, that hit the back of the net, as we all were. But uh, Rob, how did you see? What, 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 what part of the ground do you watch the game from, Rob? Usually from the south stand. Um... Okay, in the Dolman today. Um, okay, so you had a good view of it. What were your thoughts on the goal? Well, Wells's cross was unbelievable, um, especially for a striker. Uh, very, very good cross. But it was the his Conway's positioning is is brilliant, mm. and he's always it's like like you said against Wigan, he missed a few sitters, but he was in the right positions, and that's promising. Just knowing that he can he can get there. Um, whereas when we do have a, a Martin on. He's not always going to get there, is he? Because he's a... no, no. Well, um, yeah, brilliant goal, great <laughs> brilliant goal. All nice. right, Ian, you were watching it from the Dolman uh, as well. I mean, the two goals against uh, Luton were, uh, were, were, were they weren't fluky or anything about them at all. And this was another well worked one, wasn't it? He, yeah, I mean, Tommy Conway is is what I call one of them. He's a goal scorer, and he's beginning to to look like. A championship goal scorer, and when you think the lads not many not played many championship games, um, I remember watching him in an away game up at Millwall, 
when he scored. I mean, we got battered that day 4-1. I think we were terrible, but mm-hmm. he's, he scored a, a very good goal for a young lad, left foot finish. Uh, and I think he's, um, yeah, I mean, particularly with Semenyo, who I don't think is going to be back until second week in September, if we're lucky. Then, it, you know, he's been a, a, a real find. And obviously, why we haven't gone out into the market and bought a striker. And I'm just hoping that in the next 11 days, um, that there isn't any outgoing activity that forces us to go into the market. And, and if we do, I just hope we've got the players lined up just in case, uh, you know, we get a... Late bid for Masengo, Wells, Semenyo, Alex Scott, even well, Andy Vyman is a that's well. A look, listen, listen. You got berated for saying your seventy uh, percent source. You got absolutely slaughtered on Otiv this week. But even the the, the great uh, Paul Binning, XR Robin, even he mooted the idea that somebody would come in for Andy Vyman. So you know, we said this on the podcast at the beginning of January. You know, Vyman. You know, he's all action. He's sort of, he had one disallowed today. But, you know, for what he did last season, he's carried on this where he left off. You could not you could not rule that out. But we'll come on to transfers uh, in a minute. I just want to finish with uh, Les on, uh, on the goal. I heard somebody saying in some of the post-match that Wells and Conway played together quite a lot for the under-23s last season. And the other thing, which is interesting, which you, I don't think City are renowned for doing that, that the under-23, it might have been Gary Hours saying it, the under-23s are playing a similar, they're playing the same as the first team, so everybody knows what they've got to do. But that, that Wells-Conway combination, uh, Les, is certainly doing the business at the moment, isn't it? Well, it's doing the business at the moment, but I don't see how they can play the same in the under-23s as the first team when we've been playing with Chris Martin up mm. front and they've been playing with Wells and Conway. You know what I mean? That's only changed in the last couple of weeks. But it's working because they put defences under pressure because they press. Chris Martin can't press. Do you know what I mean? He's a very, Mm. very good old-school physical striker. And he's great to come on with 10 to 15 minutes left. Which is what we did today, wasn't it? Which is what we did today. But the problem is, especially playing up top by himself, he just can't put defences under pressure. And Cardiff liked to play the ball out from the back. Luton liked to play the ball out from the back. And what do we do with Wells and Conway? We put them under pressure. Yeah. And there's a lot of centre-backs, even though they're learning to, to pass a ball from the back, who struggle with it. It's not their natural game. No. Um, and you can't do that with Chris Martin, which is why it's working at the moment. Yeah, I'll stick with you, Les. That uh, volley that Vyman did onto the bar, I mean, it was such a fierce shot. And I don't think... Have we got goal-line technology at this level of football? No, we ain't. We haven't. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, Rob. We have got goal goal on There you go. All right, Rob. Um, and I know Ian, you sit in the middle of the dolmen. We come to you first, Rob. Were you the sort of atio end of the dolmen, such that you got an angled view of Vyman's shot onto the bar? Um, I had a bit of a stranger because I was right at the top of the dolmen in the middle. Right. Oh, (laughs) it looked. It looked like it was. uh, Well. It looked like it was going in, so I was already ready to jump. Um, yeah. But he's, he's just he's just on fire, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. No, and he's such a. I mean, do you think uh, you know this? This do you think somebody might come in for Vyman, or do you think you know even if he did, yeah, he's not going to leave? What do you, you wouldn't think? blame him. I mean, 
if he gets a well, I can only see a, a a good championship side coming for him. I don't know what Premier League team would fit him in unless it's a Brighton or or something like that who hasn't really got a, a goal scorer. Yeah, or or maybe even a I don't know, a, middle, a Middlesbrough. Come in. I don't know. I don't. They've know. bought lots of players this uh, close season, haven't they, Borough? Uh, Ian, uh, we we had uh, the, the linesman to thank for the Ojo goal being ruled out for offside. Could you did, could you take a view on that? It's right down in the opposite corner from where I am, just to the left of the uh, halfway line in the uh, in, in the in the lower lansdowne. But uh, how did you see the disallowed goal? I watched it back on Sky. He's a good half a yard. Possibly yard offside. Definitely. So the right decision. Yeah. So we go in one nil up. Um, everybody's happy. Twenty one and a half thousand people in there. A lot of empty seats. I thought. And if you're watching in the Dolman side, I sit um, lower lands down, just to the side of the centre block, and there was loads of seats. But uh, maybe people didn't want to pay for the corporate, so maybe people didn't fancy getting up. But I think it was a first half of uh, entertainment. Uh, into the second period and City, you know, the first few games this season, and we come on to a question that Tomo asked, what's changed? But City, you know, have the have had these good first halves, but they seem to have uh, turned that round against uh, uh, Luton. And so it proved against, uh, against Cardiff this afternoon. And we got the second and decisive goal on 64 minutes. And Cal Naismith, what a excellent ball that was into the box for Atkinson to head home and score what he said was the most uh, important goal of uh, his career. But you first, uh, Les. I mean, uh, Naismith, delightful free kick, wasn't it? Well, people say, don't know, they so they don't understand why a centre-backs delivering corners and free kicks. The reason he's doing it is because he's the best crosser of the ball in the club by a mile. He did it, was it the first game of the season against Hull? I can't remember when he yeah. crossed it in and it was headed across. He's a great crosser of a ball. And what happens is Kipre, who I think that's his name, the centre-back, I mean, he's always got a mistake in him and he's lost Atkinson, who's headed it in just from the, inside the, outside the six-yard box. It's a great ball, it's a good run and the defence has fallen asleep. So, yeah. not going to complain. No, no, he didn't have to jump for it. Rob, how did you how did you see what proved to be the uh, the decisive goal? You should never say that in the city going two nil up. How did you how did you see it? Oh, it was, well, it's the delivery again. So we, obviously the Wells delivery was fantastic, um, but the Naismith. I always, I wasn't so sure when I seen him when our first few games. Naismith taking free kicks because ideally you'd probably want him in there, wouldn't you, in the box? But the, with the Free kicks and set pieces that he has taken, he's he's shown that we need him on them. Because I don't know, apart from Scott, Matty James is out, we've got no one else to take him. And he's put it right in the danger area. And Atkinson's the right place, right time. Yeah. Ian, how did you see it, the, the second goal? Well, it was like Les said, it was identical, almost identical to the um, the one, uh, the, the free kick was identical to the one that he took it to. Uh, the one that he took it whole when Zach Viner headed it back across and Andy Viner turned it in. So, I mean, up to then, I thought our set pieces were dreadful. Uh, I have to tell you, what Scott's and Naismith's, they were scuffing them in all sorts. So, yeah, two corners I, particularly come to mind there yeah. that just didn't go anywhere. No, you're right. No, and I'd, I'd be glad to get that right. I mean, I don't think, uh, for, for as much as he's a, he's a terrific player, I don't think Scott is that great on 
um, set pieces. And I, I know because I said that he'll crawl one in the top corner against Blackpool, and I hope he does. But, um, you know, up until then, the set pieces were poor. But that one was a, a fantastic delivery, great run by Rob Atkinson. He wasn't offside, and he's headed the ball in. And when you get a, a team like Cardiff that struggled for goals, you know, that second one is all important. And in, in fairness to them, they came back at us hard after that, and Bentley had to make a couple of good saves. So... Yeah, I was just going to say that, Ian. He made saves from uh, Harris and uh, Colwell as Cardiff came back. And as Les said a few minutes ago, you know, Cardiff, for all their forward failings, they weren't a bad side, you know. And, you know, do you place Cardiff alongside the likes of Middlesbrough, Norwich and those so-called, well, the the, 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 the West Bromwich, although, well, I say West Brom haven't done that well. They won 5-2 on the, on the other day. But, uh, no, I mean, Cardiff, not a bad side. Les, um, Vyman, goal disallowed for offside, which would have made it 3-0. It looks a, a decent finish, but um, right decision? Well, yeah, it was miles off. It's about three yards off. Was he? Yeah. He looked absolutely, as somebody said on it, he looked absolutely whacked. Tomo said he looked absolutely whacked after about 75 minutes, but he's bound to be like that with the work rate that he puts in, isn't he? Yeah. But he was. people were saying about interest in Vyman, Dean Holden was saying on the box, because they were talking about him at the start before the kickoff, that uh, there's been a lot of interest in him, uh, which tells me that perhaps Stoker, one of these sides, have kept an eye on him over the last, I don't know, six months or whatever it is. But I can't see many teams coming in for him because he's in his early 30s. He's got another two years on his contract and Bristol City will demand a big fee for him, a fee that teams ain't going to want to fork out for someone who did his leg in, whatever it was. His leg, I don't know what he did. Mm. I can't remember. ACLs, I think. His ACL. And he's in his early 30s. So, I mean, if you're going to come with 5 million, happy days. But no team's going to come up with 5 million for someone like Biden. Not at the moment. Interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, does happen. I mean, Rob, um, City saw the game out, really, didn't they? They were in uh, total control. Yeah, I wouldn't be putting too strong a word on it. Yeah, makes a nice change. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just, it, it's more, we look more comfortable. Yeah, Cardiff had the chances. They missed a few sitters. But um, yeah, we look relatively comfortable. Um, and uh, yeah, roll on to the next derby in March. Yeah. 4th of March, wasn't it? Something like that. Well, plenty of games between now and then. And this month, as we said, the games came thick and fast. I think it was five in uh, 18 days. Uh, Ian Tomo asked a question uh, on text earlier on. Um, what's changed between, I'll say, well, the first three games of the season? Yeah. Um, what, what's, what, what, what's, what's clicked? Is it Chris Martin not being in the starting lineup? Although it was right to bring him on with 10 minutes to go today. What were your thoughts? I think what's changed, I mean, there's there's several things that have happened. One, we've had some appalling refereeing decisions. Uh, so we should have had, and this is according to the Referees Association, we should have had two penalties at Hull, and they shouldn't have got one. Um, I think we should have had two penalties at Wigan for fouls on Conway, and the Wigan lad should have been sent off. So yeah. that doesn't help. I know we drew the game at Wigan. Um and uh, the the strangely enough, the Wigan lad who should have got sent off against us got sent off yesterday. I've seen that for, uh, for another foul. And, and before I forget to mention it, in the game between Burnley and Blackpool, there was an identical scenario to the Sykes Freeman uh, incident at Ashton Gate, and both players 
They'll give them red cards. Yeah. Keith Stroud. So is that right? Yeah. yeah we, we've had some awful refereeing decisions and we faded. Now, what we're not doing at the moment is fading after about 60 minutes because the second half against Sunderland, I don't care what anybody says, we faded. Mm-hmm. And you can analyse the game all you want, up and down and inside out. We faded in that game and Pritchard ran the second half. And they had the lad on um, on known from Everton. Ellis Sims. Ellis Sims, who gave... And Stuart, who I, who I really rate as a player, were probably the best front two that we've played against. But it's not like they beat us by five, but... I think Sunderland, based on the second half, deserved to win that game. And we made some real bad defensive mistakes. So the answer to the question is we cut out the defensive mistakes. Um, and we've had more sensible refereeing decisions. And once again, I'll say I haven't got a problem with Sykes getting sent off. I have got a problem with the fact that Freeman didn't get sent off as well. Yeah. And I think the referees probably, or the controlling bodies of the referees, the fact that Nigel made his comment as he did, I think that's why he got off scot-free with that, particularly as well on the back of the letter that he allegedly, well, not allegedly, has received from the referees saying they got it wrong at Hull on the opening day. Um, Les, I said uh, a couple of times this season, shout out for Zach Viner. Um, You know, he's, I mean, if Callis is fit, he's obviously a better player, but Zach's, he's doing all right, isn't he, really? Yeah, the last few games he's done well. Um, his distribution has been better. He, he hasn't fallen asleep, which usually happens with him. Uh, yeah, but I'm only basing that on the last two games. We need to see how he does over the next three, four, five games before he uh, starts to prove himself at this level. I mean, it must be hard for him, to be fair, because I think Pearson's made it really clear that he doesn't fancy him. He said last week that if we need a sign of player, we're a right-sided centre-back, and that's Viner's position. But mm. last two games, he's done well. He's put his body on the line. He's made good decisions on the boys' positioning. has been good, but it's going to take more than two games, I think, to prove to people that he's cut out for this level because, like Sunderland, when he got done on the turn, he's still got a mistake in him. But, yeah, last yeah. few games, he's done well. He's done well. Rob, um, just Bearboy79 said on the text feed on here, he said, Wilson, when he came on, he looked like uh, a rabbit. I think he said a deer in headlights or something like that. I've lost it. It's further up on the text feed now. He looked a little bit unsure of himself. Um, yes. And the Beer Boy 79 also said, Williams seemed to be struggling for fitness a bit towards the end. I think all of them probably were struggling in that heat because it was very close. But Wilson, you know, do you think he's finding it difficult to make the step up from uh, League 2? to the championship because he was run a bit ragged against Sunderland and it just didn't look as confident as you might expect. He looked a bit dodgy. Well, when he came on, he had, it wasn't long until he was put through and all he had to do was square a simple ball to Naki. And you could see how annoyed Naki was about it because it was a very basic, you know, thing that all he had to do. But it's their confidence. He's really, uh, you could easily tell he's lacking that. And I hope that when we play Wickham or, and if we if we beat them and that we in the future FA Cup this year, I hope he gets more of a run out, more more of a chance to have more game time because he doesn't look ready to me. I, and I probably fancy Tanner over him, really. Would you? Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. No, that's good. Ian, uh, referees have come in for an absolute bashing, but I thought Thomas Bramhall today, he allowed the game to flow with some, I'll call it some rough stuff that lots of referees would have pulled play up. But he let it go. Sometimes When it was in our favour, it's great. And sometimes it wasn't in our favour. But, you know, I felt he let the game flow. And it was more like an old-style football game because there were quite a few rugged tackles going in there. But um, probably the best referee we've seen, referee a City game, for a long time. Would you agree with that, Ian? Referee Thomas Brammel. Um I think, well, let's put it this way. He was a hell of a lot better than... than uh... Doughty, we had against um, Luton, and the fellow we had against Wigan, and the fellow we had against Hull. So you'd have to say he was the best referee so far because some of the others have been dreadful. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and I think going back to the previous point about um, going back to the previous point about what's changed. One thing that we have got is energy and legs in midfield. So, which is particularly reason I like Alex Scott in central midfield, and I like Han Noah in midfield. Uh, I really hope that because Han Noah has not signed a contract, when Matty James is match fit or fit to come back, that he doesn't leave him out purely for that reason. Because yeah. look, the kid's not going to sign a new contract if he's playing well. Utilize him for this year, and then he walks at the end of it. I don't know um, if we get any compensation. Uh, I know he's not homegrown, but he's been here since he was a youngster. So I don't know if we get any compensation. It won't be that much if we do. Uh, but if he deserves his place, <coughs> excuse me, if he deserves his place in the team and he's playing well, then, you know, just, just get on with it because you never know if, and it's a big if, you did get in the playoffs and if you got promoted, all of a sudden he might want to sign that contract. So, yeah. Um, Let's just, you know, let, let's just pick the ones that are doing it and the, the ones that are in form. And I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Tomo said on here, um, he said he's seen play, Wilson play lots and lots of games for FGR because Tomo does uh, reporting uh, over there. He said he's a good player and with more game time, he will be fine. Well, let's hope he gets that uh, game time up at uh, Adams Park on, uh, I think it's Wednesday night we're playing in the second round of the uh, Carabao Carabao Cup. Um, Les, um, Callum put in one of those performances that was all too familiar at, at Bristol City, wasn't it? You know, it flatters to deceive a bit, yeah, but um, I apologise if I've already asked that question earlier in the broadcast, but uh, he, he, he didn't look the player that Cardiff, he's been play, he's played quite well for Cardiff, but he was a bit inconspicuous today, wasn't he? I think he flattered to deceive a little bit. I think the interesting thing with him today was that he was playing a different role than what he did against us, uh, than what he did for us. Like I said earlier, for us, he was very much a winger, but for them, he was getting his different positions so out wide. He filled in the number 10, did some runs in behind. He was picking up little spot, uh, bits of space as well. And that's to do with the way that Cardiff played, which is obviously very different to how they played last season. So I think he flattered to deceive. I think they looked a lot weaker when they took Sawyers and Ojo off. Um, I think that was the wrong call. Um, but Odada did what Odada does. He looks good in little patches, but ends up not really impacting the game. Saying that, he did do a good ball across the six-yard box, which the Ojo put in the net, but it was half a yard offside. I mean, if he stays onside, he puts it in, then we're saying Odada's doing things that he couldn't do for us. <laughs> but my, 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 my view was he looked good in patches without really 
impacting the game as much as he could do. But we've seen that for years, haven't we? We saw it for five years, and he's probably is a lovely lad. But uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, go go to you next, Rob. I mean, look, two 0 the final score. We played five games, one two, drew one, and lost those opening two. We're seventh with a plus two goal difference. If you extrapolate that forward, as I said, it's only five games. It puts us on 64 points, which is sort of 11th, 12th, something like that. I mean, at the start of the season, we would have all settled for that, wouldn't we, really? Yeah? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, it's better than going down. Anything's better than going down. So, we'll, we'll, I think we'll take that. But who knows? You never know. It. Like, and You've probably heard millions of people say it already, but you seen Forrest last season. <laughs> yeah, the dodgy start and uh, look where they are now. So yeah, okay, Ian. I I I said when I tweeted um, the sky uh, tweeted that this upcoming uh, recording. I said, "Is the sky the sky's the limit if we carry on like this? Isn't it? Yeah, because that energy and as you said a moment ago, you know, no Matty James and no Chris Martin. Since those two very good professionals and good players to have." on the bench, as it was being able to bring Andy King on with uh, six minutes to go today. But, you know, the sky's for... Li- is, is the sky... <laughs> could 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 we, based on the last two performances, I think everybody's got a very different view, haven't they? Ian, you first. Um, I, th- I think based on the last two performances, you, what you've got to look at it is say, well, can we keep that up? That's the big question. Is Will Nigel Pearson do things like bring Matty James... Uh, back into play, or, or will he turn him into a finisher or an impact player, uh, leave him on the bench um, to close games out? Because when you're, he's a handy player to have if you're, as we were today, a couple of goals up, 20 minutes left. Yeah. He's a handy player to have to, to say, come on and retain possession for us in midfield, stop their, stop their runners, pass the ball to our players. I mean, I thought there were several things we could have done a lot better today. I think I thought we could have retained possession better. Um, we, we missed, we missed some good chances. I thought, although I thought Andy Weinman was incredibly unlucky when he struck the bar in the first half, because that was hell of a strike. Um, yeah. And, and, and the, the situation is on people looking at Andy Weinman. Uh, if you listen back, if you recorded the sky commentary today, You'll hear a conversation between Dean Holden um, and uh, you'll hear some comments made by Lee Hendry, the commentator, about clubs looking at Boyman. And now he's got this fantastic record of goals and assists and it's the best in the country. And they wouldn't be surprised if somebody came in uh, with an offer. Now, I wouldn't be surprised. You've got to remember there's still 11 days left to the deadline. Um, and but I don't think uh, you know. I think Les quoted a figure and said you wouldn't get five million. There's no way that City would release him unless it was a, a, a an offer in of ten million plus. Yeah. So particularly not with we we don't exactly know when Antoine Semenyo is coming back, and we're we're also short of Thomas Callas. Now I know he's not a striker, but he's a first team player, a top class international. And our squad is a small squad. So, we, you know, we can't afford to let players go unless an offer comes in that we can't refuse. And somebody's coming in and throwing us 20, 25 million for Scott or Semenyo, then ever so sorry, but they'll be gone. But I sincerely hope they don't. 
Yeah, no, we do. We 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 do hope that, and it's getting to that critical stage of the transfer uh, window. Um, Rob, uh, should should we be thinking? Again, it's just based on the last two performances, but if we maintain it, we've got better players coming back to be available soon, Callas and Semenyo. And at the moment, if any one of our stars were to be sold, I think we've got sufficient numbers that whilst we might lose one, even if half the money is given to Nigel for strengthening, it would allow us to strengthen in areas where we are a little weak. But do do you think the top half of the table beckons now? We're not going to get carried away. Mm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd say one more league victory. I know we got the cup game, but if we get another clean sheet, another win, then I'll, I'll be a lot more promising. Yeah. But with the with with players coming back in, let's say we don't sell anyone, and Semenya's coming back. Who's who's he? Whose place is he taking at the moment? Well, yeah. there you go. No, I mean that's a that's a very good point. I mean, Les, I'll come come to you on uh, on 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 that point. I mean, when. When Callas is fit, he obviously comes in, doesn't he, at, at, at right of the three. But, you know, how do you accommodate Semenyo? And which one, if it was a case that we could sell anyone, I'll, I'll put numbers on this, I'll say Semenyo, 15 million, Andy Vyman, eight, Alex Scott, 20, and Tommy Conway's going to be capturing people's imagination as well. Which one of uh, Which one of those could we afford to lose such that the money that would be freed up to strengthen the side would would get in better players but it wouldn't be it's not like we'd be losing one you know we're not a one-man team anymore les are we you know we've got some listen listen if we listen listen if we get 20 million for alex scott oh yeah it ain't gonna happen we might get 10 million for him and then get a load of add-ons but we ain't gonna get 20 million up front for him uh Semenyo between 10 and 15, Scott maybe between 10 and 15. In terms of the player we can afford to lose, well, it depends on how much they're paying. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's what it comes down to. And in terms of Semenyo, Semenyo's fit, he plays. In my opinion, the player who misses out is Tommy Conway, but that's just my opinion. Because I think Mm. Tommy Conway, as good as he, or as much hype as he has had over the last week and a half, two weeks, I don't think he's played as well as Naki Wells has. That's just my view. Um, albeit he scored a great header today and he worked hard and pressed. But Semenyo is a different beast. I think Semenyo, someone like Palace, I mean, I think he'd be a dream for them. Do you know what I mean? The way they play yeah. on the break. Um, and I think he's going to go sooner rather than later. And I think it will be double figures in the millions, like minimum 10, 15. Whereas I think the others are less hyped and I don't yeah. think, well look we'll see we'll see I think Semenyo is the most sellable asset at the moment and I think he's going to go for substantial money so when he's fit he needs to play because I think and do you think and do you think he'll go even though he's unfit now do you think he'll go this window so somebody gets the benefit of it depends him? it depends what they pay if they come yeah. in and say we'll spend seven eight million we'll say no if they come in and say we'll spend 12 13 million and then we'll give you six million in add-ons or five million add-ons uh, then he'll go. And like they were saying, Palace are interested, Everton are interested, Forest were interested last season because they put a bid in for him, albeit pennies. And I think there was another Premier League team who were being talked about as well. Um, but the bloke, I think he's 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 going to be a Premier League player soon rather than that. It might be the end of the season. It, I doubt it will be Christmas. I doubt we'll set him then. 
Um, or maybe this window. It all depends yeah. on. It all depends on the dollar. It all depends. And how much a particular club? How much a particular club wants him? And Palace. I don't. I do, got... I, yeah, yeah. I don't think there'll be many Premier League teams at this point who will spend the money that we want for Semenyo. I think yeah. we'll want. I think we'll want between twelve, fifteen million for him. That's just me guessing, right? Yeah. And I don't okay. think there'll be. I don't think there'll be many Premier League teams who'll be willing to do that at this stage. If you look at Everton. They're going to want someone proven who's going to get them 15 goals a season because otherwise they could go down. Palace, slightly different way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, they, they may be the ones who come in, but we'll see. We'll see. Ian, uh, what, what do you think of that you know, conundrum that when they're, they're fit, you know, we've got an embarrassment of riches up front, haven't we? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you've got to remember that not every player is, is going to stay fit all the time. I mean, Semenya has missed pre season this year and last. And with with two quite, quite bad injuries, he had a knee operation last year, and it took him a long time to rehab over that. And he's had he got this energy and injury at the end of last season playing for Ghana, and he's not quite over that. So I think yeah. you know it's already saying we've got this player, we've got that player, um, and we've got the other player. But basically, we've got four guys who can play in those two roles up front if required. Mm-hmm. Now. Andy Vyman can play there, Chris Martin, Semenya, Wells in Conway. Now I'd say every week we play three of those. So that only leads you leaves you two to come in for injuries. And yeah. and the way our, our seasons have gone, I mean, we are a club that has had trouble with injuries and they've been long-term injuries. Now, please God, we're getting past that. Um, but it's still a situation. And when you've got a small squad, you need to hang on to as many players you can. Every the, the reality is, every player in the championship has a price. The first yeah. thing that Norwich did last season when they got promoted to the Premier League was sell Buendia for forty odd million. Mm. And the same thing could happen to us, and the the same thing could happen to any championship club because the, the people like uh, Lansdowne, it would be his decision. Finally, is that who goes out the door for what? Um, they'll just look at yeah. what, what can I get out of it? How close are we to breaching financial fair play? The answer is absolutely nobody knows because we don't know if the rules are going to stay the same, they're going to change. If they are going to change, how are they going to change? So we won't know that. So Steve Lansdowne's got to cover all his bases. He obviously have discussions with Richard Gould. And along the lines of, well, if this amount of money is big, we need to we need to discuss it. If it's a derisory offer, as Cardiff's uh, Cardiff um, Forest was for Semenyo yeah. last season, dismiss it, dismiss it out of hand. It, it'll be dismissed. But when you look okay. at what Forest have just paid, basically a, a guy that played a lot of football in the Championship, um, what's the lad, the lad they just signed from Wolves? He, they, you know, they paid forty-two and a half million up to for him with a twenty-five million down payment. Jeez. Uh, Morgan Gibbs White. That's the so, one. So when people say, "Well, the numbers discussed are silly," I'm afraid in the Premier League, I mean, Chelsea have just paid Villa uh, twenty million for a, a kid that's played four or five um, Premier League games. Mm. So okay, you know, yeah, it, that's, that's how things go. It, it, it is. Never, you can never say never, and when, especially when Premier League clubs get desperate and yeah. they think they might go down, then reality flies out the window. 
Yeah, no, that's true. Rob, um, we talked a lot about the strikers here. Um, if everybody's fit, I mean, we're playing with two central midfielders. Um, what's the best midfield combo in your opinion? And is that the area that if one of those players goes, we go out and sign a star man in there? Yeah. So, I mean, is Scott in your team as one of those two, come what may? Yeah, if he plays there more often centrally, if you mean, like, you know, mm. not not attacking or right wing back, wherever they're putting him now. But I'd like to see him play more games. I think Ian mentioned it as well. I'd like to see him play more games in the middle and mm. then uh, to see how that goes. Um, I wouldn't, I just, it's just based on today, seeing it. We don't want to lose the energy that we've got. But I think if you put Scott, I don't know, Scott and Masengo, but then you need the experience of Joe Williams as well. So it's it's trying to have energy, but then have experience in there at the same time. And the answer really to questions, I don't know. <laughs> Les, um, it, uh, Rob just said about um, Williams and his energy. I mean, Williams has had a, a stuttering start to his career at Ashton Gate, and we're seeing the, the real Joe Williams or a fit Joe Williams rounded about now. I mean. <laughs> Is it what? What are your what are your views on Joe Williams now that we've seen him have well an extended run of games in the last six months? That's the tail end of last season and and this. I mean, who? And, and as part of that question, if we're playing this formation, what is the best midfield combo in your view? Sorry, is that for me? Yeah, sorry, you, Les. Um, yeah, I think he's had a slow start to the season. Uh, I thought today. He did a lot of the dirty work and a lot of the invisible work that wouldn't necessarily get noticed. But I think he really came into his own in the last 20 minutes, especially after we scored our second goal and put some crunching challenges in. And yeah, I thought he did well. Uh, in terms of our best midfield too, I mean, I don't think it works that way because, you know, you could you could play Masengo and Williams like we have today and then we'll play on Saturday against Blackpool and they may get completely overrun and put in the shocker. So mm. I don't think it's as simple as having the best two. We've got a number of options. We play a number of players who have different attributes. And we've just got to make the most of it. I mean, if we're playing a team like, I don't know, like an old Warnock-style side, perhaps we need some physicality in there. But, mm. And then someone like, I don't know, whoever our physical midfielders are. I'm not sure we have many, but Williams, <laughs> maybe maybe James. But then maybe again... You totally playing. lose the mobility. And, and, yeah. and that's the thing that Hanoa's bought, is that... Yeah. Is that is that mobility? We just need, right. you know, it's horses for courses, isn't it? You need to look who's in form. You need to look who plays well as a partnership. We need to look at who we're playing uh, and then go from there. But it's a squad game, isn't it? It's, it's not yeah. just based on two no, people. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely right there. It is a squad game. And, uh, you know, when, and we, we hope to see them using that squad on, uh, on Wednesday in the Caribou Cup. I just want to do a quick shout out to one or two people are on there that say, oh, one minute we're saying we're in relegation, Pearson's under pressure. Now we're talking about the playoffs. That's what it's like being a football fan. We ebb and we flow. We're feeling on a high. How many of us expected us to put a good performance in midweek and follow it up with another one at the weekend? We're Bristol City. We don't do that. It's the hope that kills with City, you know, and we'll probably go to Blackpool next Saturday 
and get gubbed by them and we'll all be bloody miserable again. Or we might even get dumped out of the Caribou Cup by Wickham. But I wouldn't be too bothered if that happened, to be perfectly honest. All right, let's look at um, transfers and then the transfers, players that we've been linked with, in theory, and then this thing about us and penalties. Um, This week, Ian, first of all, Sol Bamba, he was in the commentary box today as providing the Cardiff City uh, angle on things. Uh, Sol Bamba, uh, he's training with us at the moment. I mean, the fact that he is and the fact that Viner's playing well and Callas is on the way back, do you think Callas is still a bit further away than we would think? And would you see him as a player that could add something to the squad? Well, <clears throat> I, I, I always liked Sol Bamba because he's, he's a, a big, big lump and a leader. Um, you want to stop shuffling the paper? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think he's a. I, I I think he's he's a natural leader. He's thirty seven, so he isn't going to be. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't look at him and think, wow, he's the solution. He's never present, but I he could do a similar type of job to closer, and close out games for us or help us close out games. Mm. Once again, depending who's injured and and he he looked fit to me, um, in terms of. You know he hasn't put on any weight, and uh, he's a he's a big old bloke, and he's played at a high level. Um, I I, I um, would I I rather see um, a twenty year old top quality right centre back, somebody like Stephen Colker, come in from a major Premier League club? Absolutely, I would. Mm. Um, but that may not be the choice because if we're skin, and we are in terms of going out and getting players, unless someone goes out. Are you cooking a meal or something? Yeah, somebody's rustling some papers there. All right, Ian, um, let me let me move on. Les, um, Sol Bamba coming in. I mean, it's almost like a, an aide uh, Williams signing again, isn't it? You know, an old head. But we've got one of those in, in close. So do we really need another one? And as Ian said, he's still got a lot of energy, yeah? Well, I mean, like Ian also said, he's a kind of play you bring on with 10 minutes to go when you're winning in a game and you're under a lot of pressure. Someone is going to put their body on the line, win some headers and dominate uh, the penalty box. The problem is, if you're playing against anyone with a degree of pace, you're going to... Are you all right? Yeah. Tom, we're yeah. okay. You carry on, Les. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having... yeah. <laughs> I mean, if someone, if someone comes up against him with pace, he hasn't got a chance, has he? So, so he's a kind of lump you bring on who's going to provide some leadership and put his body on the line. Uh, but in closer, we kind of have that player already. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on. But obviously, how are we going to know what's going on? Because we're not part of the process. We're not part of it. We don't so, know. We can only speculate. And I'll stick with you, uh, Les, and then I'll go on to uh, uh, Rob with the same question. It was noted on Twitter that Joe Bryan is no longer... Uh, in uh, Marco Silva's plans, and he's available for loan. He's one of our own, as everybody says, and the camp seems to be split looking at the Twitter feed of wages are a problem or whatever. My view on Joe Bryan is that he's a player for the big occasion. He's a talented footballer, but he didn't do it consistently enough, as I say, other than the big games. But do you think there's any chance that we might go for Joe Bryan? I don't think so, but what do you think, Les? Oh, no, no chance. I haven't got any money. How much is he on a week? 20 grand, yeah. 30 grand yeah. a week? Minimum, because he's at Fulham. 
Yeah. What are they going to want? They're going to want 30, 40% of that? So it's not going to happen. It's a waste no. of time. It's a waste, waste of time. Of time. All right. No, and uh, look, uh, Rob, would you agree with that? Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Bryan, no chance of him coming here. Just yeah, it's, you, well, uh, when it comes to wages and stuff, like it's just not realistic really going for anyone like that. Especially when, I'm not saying we've got an amazing, two amazing left backs, left wing backs, but we've got, We've got Pring and we got the silver. So you know what? Where are they going to go when if you if you can't manage exactly? Up? And uh, I somebody's picked up. I made the mistake. Thomas put it there. I think did I say did I say Samba when I meant Sol Bamba? If I did, apologies there. If that Christopher Samba would do. <laughs> All right. Um, look, final topic. And well, we, we look forward to the cup game as well. Very briefly. Final topic: penalties. Um, somebody put some statistics up there this week that the lack of penalties is getting ridiculous. We get one every 7,860 minutes. Port Vale and next with two thousand one every 2,900 minutes. Then out of the 92 clubs, whoever did this, well done you, because it can't have been easy. Well, maybe it is putting a graph like that together. But then there's a whole plethora of clubs, like about 89 in a range. And then Man City... They get a penalty every 364 minutes. I think I'm right in saying that. Uh, Ian, if you're there, uh, it says it is. This penalty thing's becoming uh, it's becoming a bit of a well, it's, it's a statistical anomaly. I won't call it a joke, but what, what do you think, Ian? Well, it is, a, it is an anomaly, isn't it? I mean, there's being there's sides getting well, what, one or two more a season. There's sides getting twenty odd more a season than. Um, I don't, the, the honest answer is I think it could be the fact that we don't go into the box and, and, and dribble a lot, but we should have had penalties. I can remember the QPR game last season where Randy Davis, who's a dreadful referee, um, missed one on... <laughs> going. That was a little bit of music there. Sorry, I pressed the wrong button. Carry on, here. Christ almighty. Uh, missed... Um, you know, he, he missed an, an obvious one on. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Getting <laughs> near the end now. I'm not bothering. Carry on, Ian. Keep going. He missed an um, he missed an obvious one on Alex Scott, and we've been through the ones that we've already missed this season. There's one against Luton. Okay, we won the game. It's not made a huge amount of difference. Um, I think there was two on Tommy Conway against Wigan. Uh, a, a Wigan player should have been sent off and referees are telling us strange things like you can kick somebody as long as it's um, petulant and it's not uh, violent and how do you tell the difference between the two I really don't know so I, I'm just um, I, 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 with this, this um, if you talk about the overall standard of refereeing I think everybody, including um, the ex-head of the Referees Association, um, is is mentioning that it's um, it's getting worse. Yeah. Now, the obvious thing to help it is if you add VAR. And the other day they were talking about something called VAR light, whatever that is, hmm. um, being used in the championship for major decisions like penalties. It wouldn't be used on marginal offsides and things like that but it'd be used on major decisions in the championship and I'd welcome it anything that makes the referee's job easier and get the decision right yeah 
All right, Les, uh, statistical anomaly, and do you think we're going to get... We, do, do you think referees... Uh, yeah, even Keith Hackett agreed that you know there's been some dodgy decisions against us. Do you think we're going to get a soft one coming up, or is that too much to expect? Well, it depends if you know what I don't understand about us is if we have a penalty appeal and the ball's gone out of play, we have two or three players go up to the ref and moan. Why have we not got ten players going into the ref and moaning? Why are we not putting him under pressure? Why are we not trying to bully the ref a bit? Because one thing we know about these refs is they'll cave under the pressure. If you've got ten players getting into the referee's face, you ain't going to book ten players. No. You know what I mean? Because they ain't got the ball to do it. So what uh, we need to do is, if the ball goes out, and I know this ain't Pearson's style, Pearson doesn't like this kind of aggressive attitude, whether it's on the bench or in response to referees, but these refs are weak. So if you put them under pressure and you bully them and you intimidate them, they all make decisions in your favour like the whole referee did for them after they had those two penalty yeah. appeals turned down. And the fact is, it's a sad state of affairs. The best referee in this league right, is Keith Stroud. And that tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's interesting what you say there as well, Les, that we don't scream at the referees because I looked at that, Do you remember? Uh, do, you rem- do you remember in the 90s with Man United, Roy Keane and a load of players would literally get in the referee's yeah. face? Why don't we do that? Well, I was going to say Tuesday night, you know, the penalty when Rob Atkinson got brought down, yeah. you know, and you see it on you know, reverse camera angle, whatever it is, but it's clear as daylight that he was brought down. And even he didn't appeal. You know, no. that's the thing. And if you go down like a dying swan, you're not going to get away with it. But if you go in, and there was another graph that was shown that we do, you know, I said maybe we don't get penalties because you don't have enough box entries. But there was another graph that might have been the same person. Is it Pezza on the O2 or something like that? But it showed the number of box entries that we have, where we fit in the league. And it wasn't to do with box entries. So I'm hopeful that we're, we're somebody's, somebody's going to... Uh, Give us one. Okay, just to wrap up then with uh, with each of you. Um, Rob, um, and great to have you on and, and you, Les, for the first time in ages and Ian, as always. But so, Rob, week ahead, Caribou Cup and, uh, and a tough away game at Blackpool. I'd love it if we won in the Caribou Cup and I'd take a point from Blackpool now. What do you think, Rob, the next seven days coming up for City? I'd love us, I'd love us to win, obviously, the Cup, but I don't know if Pearson's that bothered about it that much. Uh, he doesn't come across very bold about it, but you never know if we if we can beat Wickham and then have a big Premier League side to make more money, you know, whether it's home or away. Um, but yeah, um, apart from that, if you just want to get three points, right? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Ian, uh, your thoughts coming up. Do we want to repeat 2017 and sort of have a, have a cup run and get a bit of glory? Or... You know, not treat it so seriously. Give somebody out of fringe players a run out, and you know, I I said a win in the cup and a point at Blackpool. But would you say forget the cup and take three points at, at Blackpool? What you know, I mean, it's, it's pure speculation what we're saying. But what do you think, Ian? He's not there. He is there. Are you there, Ian? All right, Les, come to you. What what's what, what are your hopes for? Uh, the cup game. I'm not really interested in, to be honest. Uh, the league game, oh, it's going to be a tough game against Blackpool. We got battered by them last season. Uh, I don't. I think our record up there is, is pretty horrible. I see. I remember it was a game we lost five 0 when Millen got sacked about ten years ago, yeah. and I don't think we've done anything up there for years. And they're a good <laughs> side, so I think it's going to be a real test, and that will really show how far we've come. And it'll be interesting to see whether he plays with the same two forwards and two centre midfielders away from home as he has done 
in the two home games. I'm assuming he will. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a really tough game. Yeah. I think a draw would not be a bad result up there. No, no I'd agree with I'd that. Like, okay, Les, that's I'd great. Like, Ian, just to finish yeah. with you on that point, uh, you 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 did a predicted team. We know Nigel won't do it, but you you gave a team for the Caribou Cup, which was I can't remember how many different changes it was from today. But what what do you think is going to happen in the next seven days? Well, if you look at the team that Pearson picked against Coventry. It's the same front three as we had today. Mm. It was a strong. It was and Naismith played as well. It was a strong team. Um, so uh, I, I, I've just said that um, I think I think that this it's a team that he could pick if he wanted to make changes to utilise the squad because it, it's all we brought Wilson on today and he's had no, very little game time. I mean, I know he played against Coventry, but he hasn't had much game time. And then we're critical of him, saying, well, he's not up to speed. Well, he's not going to be. And I think that applies to a few players at the club. So I'd be inclined to give what some people call give the, give the kids a run. But I'd include players like Closer, Martin, for their experience, and Andy King. Um, mm. And because they haven't had as much game time today, and we've got a tough game coming up at Blackpool, um, would I take a point at Blackpool? Yeah, I think I, think I probably would. Um, and but I'd, I'd like to win at Wickham because it does give us an opportunity to get players in play in that game who are coming back from injury, who uh, aren't getting game time, and that way they're a bit more up to speed when they come into the team. Yeah. Okay. Ian, thanks for that. Okay, everybody, I think we're done. Uh, it's been a great uh, afternoon or lunchtime against our friends from... Uh, over the water it finished uh city two cardiff city uh nil i love the inflatable sheet that was uh, being thrown around in the uh, dolman stand uh, lower uh an appropriate chanting going on on that um we're feeling positive i think it's good to feel maybe overly positive as it is and it doesn't feel good being negative but that's the thing of being a bristol city football fan maybe any football fan it's highs and lows knee-jerk reactions over expectations but uh ian les and rob thanks for your support thanks to everybody who's uh, listened we had a lot of comment on the text sorry we've not been able to uh, answer any of them maybe uh, somebody can answer uh, uh, when we're doing other um, other broadcasts coming up and we'll be doing uh, a review of the wickham game i don't know if it's on feed anywhere but we'll probably record that thursday morning and then uh, obviously we'll be doing our normal match day coverage from the from for the game up at uh, bloomfield road next week but guys and listeners thanks a lot from forever bristol city podcast all the best to everybody bye, all the best cheers now bye-bye all bye-bye. the best mate. bye-bye Preference for the habitual voyeur of what is known as a morning suit can be avoided if you take a route straight through what is known as. John's got Brewers crew, he gets intimidated by the dirty pigeons. They love a bit of him. Who's that gut lord marching? You should cut down on your pork life, mate. Get some exercise. All the people.